You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 18 on this Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy, James Jackson, and Tom Green will be along in just a bit. CK, we're already, you know, it's week three. I mean, there's a lot of football left, but it already feels like like the season is moving. Like it's slipping through our fingers a little bit. Before we know it, we're going to be talking about the Texas game, and then it's going to be the Bell yeah. whatever else. It always moves so quick. I, I noted today I was laying out where I'm going for high school coverage for the board, and I, the first thing I said in the story was we're already in week three of the college football season, and we're in like week four or five in some places of the high school season, which is just like I hate it, to be honest with you. I mean, we get <laughs> we, we go through all that stuff just for football season to blow by us. So, yeah, man, they're going to go play at Tulsa this weekend. We've got guys – getting closer to district play across high school football scenes. Like it's, I don't like the fact that it moves so fast, but it is good obviously to, to see more games getting under our belt. For sure. Yeah. I mean, next weekend, you know, in, in these parts, Oklahoma district play starts for high school football and obviously for OU conference play starts with Cincinnati. So it's kind of crazy. We're already, you know, it just, it slips through our fingers so quickly uh, every year. It's crazy. Uh, so busy, but it's so fun. And um, like I said, before you know it, we're talking about Bedlam and the end of the year and, bowl games and all that stuff but uh we're taking it one week at a time like colin said tulsa this weekend first road game if i mean it is on the road and it's obviously just up the up the street uh from us in oklahoma city about an hour and a half up there to tulsa but uh fun to take this uh you know show on the road for us first road game for james tom and i as a, as a unit and first time we can see this team play in the road white so that'll be kind of fun we'll get into all that obviously a little later on, we'll get Colin's thoughts on the game, and then James and Tom will cop in for the full game preview for week three this weekend, Oklahoma and Tulsa. But, of course, Colin's here, our lead recruiting analyst. means we want to hit some recruiting stuff. Not a ton going on, but we did have some things we wanted to touch on before we got into this weekend's ball game. Let's, of course, hit, you know, we got to backtrack a little bit going back to last Friday. Nigel Smith is in. So we talked about Nigel Smith, you know, several times, Colin and I, you know, what he means to this team. Colin's been a big fan of him, both on and off the field, what he brings to the table. Obviously, we talked about his versatility, that inside out. Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis were both down in Melissa for his commitment last weekend. Colin, you were there. I mean, again, we've talked about Nigel a lot, but articulate what the now that he's actually in, he committed on Friday, what the get means, how it happened, and just, you know, I guess looking, projecting how quickly he can maybe be an impact guy for Oklahoma down the road. Yeah, I, I we like you mentioned we've covered so many angles with this guy, but again, it also just has the sense of this guy still just doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, everyone knew going into it, it was probably going to be Oklahoma, barring some last minute upset. The video plays, a little bit of celebration, and then it's right into a football game. Like I thought it was the most fitting thing in the world yeah. for Nigel Smith to make his decision. And he celebrates for about five minutes and then goes <laughs> races it up and Go plays down. against Royce City. But yeah, I mean, he, I mean, this is just a dude. And I think you asked the right question. We know the type of player he is, right? 6'4, 6'5, 260-ish pounds. He can play all over the defensive line of scrimmage in various alignments. He's got really strong physical hands. He's He's got the ability to knife and, and basically one gap between blockers. Like, he's a very solid defensive lineman. But how soon can he play? I think that's the big question. And you asked with the exact premise. I think this is someone who legitimately, I mean, if you told me he gets in the program and puts on some good weight, I wouldn't be surprised to see him run out there as a true freshman, to be honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think – I'm, I'm watching him that Friday night, and he's flying around, and he's rushing the passer well. He's playing well in, in run defense. You can tell that in pursuit, he's got a different gear. I think that was one thing that kind of clicked for me. We talk about what he is as a defensive lineman, but just as a simple defender, he had a lot of plays in that game where I'm watching him chase down the ball carrier out on the perimeter like in a wide receiver screen scenario, and I'm like, 
I mean, this guy, he's got all the talent. He's got the frame. He's got the ability, but like he has the motor and some of those intangible aspects of his game that you, you just have a hard time finding for guys his age. And so I think when you factor it all in together, like, man, Nigel Smith, the type of guy he is off the field, the work ethic and, and the brains he has paired with the motor, the bronze, the, the strength and natural ability, you get him in a weight room and you get him with Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis for a little bit, like, I have a hard time believing he doesn't see at least, at least a little bit of time his freshman year. So, look, man, really quality get. And, again, we, we just keep talking about this. Nigel Smith is atop the list in terms of defensive front type of players you need going into the SEC. And so to win out in this recruiting battle over programs like Ohio State and Penn State to Texas A&M and Texas – I mean, he had a truly nationwide recruitment, and for Oklahoma to bring him in, I think it's a really quality get. He's someone who I believe will impact the program on and off the field. You know, obviously, you know, they're not done. You know, we're, we're going to talk about a guy, another guy that they're chasing on that defensive line in just a second. But when you talk about Yad Nigel, obviously David Stone in tow, Jaden Jackson in tow, White Gilmore, how good – is this defensive line crop, in your opinion, that they've added now between Bates and Miguel Chavis? Because obviously that, you know, Oklahoma fans know that that's been the group that they've been dying to see Oklahoma recruit at a higher level and that everybody and their mom has said they need to recruit at a higher level before making that SEC transition. It seems like they've done that. In your opinion, how does this group, and again, they're not, maybe not done, but what, what they have now is this a group that's okay? That that's an SEC level group in in your mind for Oklahoma with what they've done here. I think the best way to contextualize it, Josh, is like if you really think about it, you can make the argument that they finished second for Dominic McKinley, Williams Winery, Joseph Jonah Ajonye, mm-hmm. Zena Omiyazulu, and yet we're still talking about this defensive line class being one of the nation's best. Right. You know, how many times do you miss out on that many top guys and you're still considered one of the elite defensive line halls in America? I don't think that like hardly ever happens unless your name is Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State. You know right. what I mean? So, and it's just, it's crazy to me that we're talking about this type of stuff with a program like Oklahoma. I mean, Josh, you and I have, have been around this program together since we were covering the team as students. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. I don't think we've ever talked about a storyline like this before in our time being around the program, even dating back as like kids, you know? So I think it's, it's seriously got to be considered as one of the nation's elite defensive front halls in the entire 2024 class. And like you mentioned, they're probably not done either, but I, I think the other part of this too, is you're, you're not only bringing guys in who have talent, but you're bringing guys in who fit, the defense you want to run and the mold you want to have in moving towards the SEC. Like I look at some of these guys, Nigel Smith, David Stone. I feel like they're versatile players. They can play inside. They can move all over from a defensive lineman perspective. I've seen David Stone line up at the edge. I mean, these two are big bodied physical freaks. And then you've mentioned, I mean, Wyatt Gilmore, kind of your edge guy who, I mean, we've literally discussed it at Sooners Illustrated. He might be able to kick in to like the five. So, I mean, there's versatility there as well. And you want that from your edge player. And then Jaden Jackson, I mean, this is another thing we've talked about as a board, our subscribers and and all of us on the staff at Sooners Illustrated, like Jaden Jackson is the type of interior defensive lineman who's not only the guy you want in an area that he's from, but I think he's legitimately one of the cycle's potential highest risers in the next rankings update. And you get that guy early ahead of time before he jumps up to like high four star or whatever. I'm not saying that's a done deal. Right. But I mean, I think we would all agree having seen Jaden Jackson, his senior season, like Oklahoma got a really darn good football player before he actually took the field his senior year. So, yeah, man, I mean, this group is, is elite. And I, I mean, if you told me they're somewhere in the top five to 10, specifically from a defensive line hall perspective, I probably wouldn't bat an eye. And 
again, you got to factor in too. They missed on some elite targets right. as well. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this is this group is as good as it gets, and it's it's probably going to end up being one of the better that the program has seen in a long time. We'll see what happens next. I mean, obviously, not only are they still pursuing other guys who we'll, we'll talk about, but there's also some of those dudes who I mentioned that they missed out on that they're still in pursuit of. So, again, good players want to play together, and they want to play for coaches who have that developmental aspect in a premier conference. And that's kind of why all of this is blending together perfectly, and it's what's giving Oklahoma a pivotal defensive line haul prior to unprecedented times for the program. Right. Yeah. You know, I think when everybody, you know, tuning into that IMG game where David, you know, made his decision, I think one of the big takeaways was, my gosh, David Stone is really is good. Just a game wrecker yeah. guy. But then also, Jane Jackson underrated uh, a little bit. He was also just everywhere in that game. So did, yeah, this you, uh, did you see the line? Uh, yeah. David Stone has like the 94 yard interception return for a touchdown. <laughs> And Jaden Jackson is the guy taking out the quarterback on the play at the same time. I mean, it's – they're really good football players, man. They're really yeah. good. That's quite the combo in high school um, to have on your defensive line. That's not going to be fun to go up against uh, for other other teams. And like we said, not done. Um, next up player on the board is Danny Coyier. We talked about Danny last week. And since we recorded that, he announced he's going to make his official commitment next Wednesday. So before the next time Collins on. He will make it official next Wednesday evening in Tulsa. You talked about it last week that you felt pretty good here for Oklahoma, but just a little temperature check uh, for OU fans going into that decision next week. Um, you know, I mean, we just talked about it. The group that they have already is is very, very solid, one of the better ones in the country. And you're talking about Okoye up there in Tulsa, Noah, composite four-star composite, ranked as the best player in Oklahoma in that 24 class. I guess, I guess, you know, to put it simply, are you still feeling pretty good about Oklahoma here going into next week? Yeah, without a doubt. I I noted on our board in a recent VIP chat, and I mean, I, the immediate report I put out after Okoye's visit indicated that this was going to become a very real partnership over the next couple of weeks. I mean, the the reviews coming out of the weekend when Okoye visited for the Arkansas State game were – I mean, they were, were incredible. Everyone's raving mm -hmm. about how the trip went. I, I think everyone clicked, and it all just kind of came together. And so it immediately pushed Oklahoma into the lead. And then as I've said on the board, I don't have a crystal ball in, but that's more so out of respect to some sources who have kind of kept me in the loop. So for those of you watching, or obviously if you're subscribed to Sooners Illustrated, which yeah. you should be by now, you, should be. you know – that my prediction is 100% in favor of Oklahoma right now. And he's going to make his decision next Wednesday. The only other thing, Josh, really in the way from now until then is a potential visit to Texas. Now, I, it is very much up in the air. I would not be surprised at all if he doesn't show up. I mean, even if we are finishing up recording and it's 100% confirmed he's not showing up in Austin, which I think is kind of the lean anyway right now. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, he puts out the top three recently, Tennessee, Texas, Oklahoma. Mm. If he doesn't show up for a visit with the Longhorns, which I think could likely be the case, you got to have some sort of indication as far as where this thing's going, right? So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's in a really good spot with him. And, again, like, if you haven't heard us talk about Danny Okoye, guy is a freak. So, yeah. This yeah. we talk about all these defensive linemen before we got to him, right? I mean, he he fits in perfectly with what they're trying to accomplish there, and then some because of just the natural raw athletic ability. He's unpolished to a degree, but if he gets in a program with those coaches and those other defensive linemen, you're talking about truly one of the more blank canvases mm -hmm. of the entire 2024 cycle. And if you think about that, that's that's got a chance to be elite at a place like Oklahoma. Yeah, his ceiling feels really high. So excited to see that. Um, that's next Wednesday evening. Uh, 6.30, I think, was about the approximate time for his commitment next Wednesday. Planning to get up there. Uh, I'm not sure if James is as well, but hopefully we can get up there and uh, just can't get enough T-Town. Uh, getting told this weekend, get back up there next week, uh, hit a quick trip on the way, who knows, uh, next week. So 
looking forward to that big decision on the uh, next one on the docket there for Okoye. And of course, as you know, by now, keep up with Oklahoma.247sports.com to have all the latest on his decision. And like I said, I am planning to get up there. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which if you're watching the show is this one, because you'll have an interview and stuff like that to follow. So you can hear from Danny. So there's lots of places to go everywhere, wherever that subscribe button is. Click it, please. Also like and comment something nice, uh, nothing mean. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll start with the SMU weekend a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the opener. Everybody under the sun was there. I expect it to be a little less so, but just being on the field again, it felt pretty close to about the same in terms of the number of bodies down there. Once again, all the usual suspects were there as well. Kevin Sperry and that whole Carl Albert contingent, they were all there. All the, all the guys that you'd think. Um, so there's a lot of guys that were there, but something that, you know, was of note in your, in your mind, something you've been talking about to our VIP subscribers, offensive line recruiting specifically in that 2025 class is mm-hmm. ramping up. Bill Beanbow is, you know, has the breadcrumbs there of quite the group. A lot of those guys were in town. What are some things that you've been hearing about how that's kind of shaping up right now is Beanbow putting in, uh, you know, some work with that 25 crop. Yeah, man, I, I I thought that something that our staff did a really good job of getting out in front of kind of stepped into that spotlight over the weekend. And, man, it, it felt – I remember I wrote the first story on it, how 2025 offensive line recruiting for Oklahoma had a chance to be pretty special. Mm-hmm. And there were some comments like, why are we talking about 2025 offensive line recruiting <laughs> right now? And I totally get it, right? I mean, it's, it's 100% justified. But, man, over the weekend, like, you see who's in town. And on top of that, you mentioned Nigel Smith. I went out there to see him. I mean, Nigel plays with an Oklahoma offensive line target in the 2025 class. I I felt like, especially having some conversations with sources about how things had been going and then what happened after the visit. And I'm going to go see a guy on this list tonight, which I put on the site, like, Guys, 2025 offensive line recruiting for Oklahoma, Bill Beatonbow is doing an outstanding job. I mean, arguably positioning the Sooners better in a lot of these races than a lot of other programs who will want to be in these races. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I look at the SMU weekend, right? You got Michael Fasusi, the elite offensive tackle from Louisville, who I went out to see about two weeks ago. I mean, he has long been not just a priority target for Bill Beanbow, but for Kevin Sperry, for Brent Venables. Fasusi is as good as it gets. And he's the type of player, he's top, what, 50, 60 in the country for us at 24-7 sports. And he's not even really know what he's doing yet. Like, I, everyone I've talked to talks about how this guy is, I mean, as good as it gets. Number 20 overall player for us at 24-7, I believe. Really good player. He was in town for the SMU game. He was going to go to Arkansas State, had his ride fall through. He gets up there with his teammate, who happens to be an Oklahoma commit, Jaden Hardy, has a great time. Sooners, I believe, are the leader there. Now, a long ways to go, they might be the leader. I think they also might be the leader for a guy, like I mentioned, who I'm going to see tonight, who was also at the SMU game in Lamont Rogers. If you don't know who Lamont Rogers is, this guy's a legit six foot six to six foot seven, 305 pounds, mm. grown man at, mm. at the tackle spot. And he's he's going into his junior year. I'm pretty sure he's playing like his fourth game of his junior season tonight, which is yeah. Nuts. I think Oklahoma leads for him too. And he went on the SMU visit with a couple of his teammates. You saw them get their offers in Legend Bay, his quarterback, who got offered as a wide receiver by OU. And then Markel Ford, who is an elite safety in the class of 2026, both of these guys, 26 players, they both earned their OU opportunity with Lamont Rogers in attendance. He already had Oklahoma way up on the list. Again, there's a reason why I was going to go see him tonight, regardless of the visit happening. So you factor that in, man. I think OU's in the driver's seat there, but then it it goes beyond that. They had Jalen Beckley on campus, say another 2025 offensive lineman who – plays tackle at the private school level out here in Texas. I've known him since he was in eighth grade. He's always been a player who has tons of potential. Bill Beatonbow is out in front on this one too. And Jalen Beckley goes on the SMU visit, has a great time. 
But if we extend it even further, Josh, like, and again, this is why I think it's so fascinating. You've got those three guys already, not only on the board and in good position for them, but like that doesn't even scratch the surface. And went out to see Nigel Smith, also went to go out and see Owen Hollenbeck, the yeah. interior offensive lineman who plays in Melissa, is very close friends with Nigel Smith, have also heard he's cool with my, Michael Fasusi. Owen Hollenbeck was at the Arkansas State game, had a great time. He is the center target for Bill Beanbow in the 2025 cycle. Really physical player, stockily built. He, 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 he's got that powerlifting background that translates to the field. I really like him. His offensive line coach, Melissa, is one of the best in the state of Texas. He plays guard, but his offensive line coach makes him snap behind the scenes. And so versatile player, Bill Beanbow is going to be in there. I think they're in a good position for him. Ty Haywood, Denton Ryan, they, they're up there with like Alabama and Texas already. At the time, I went to go talk to Ty before he got his Alabama offer. He said Oklahoma was the school recruiting him the, heavy, the heaviest, and it wasn't even close. I mean, it goes further and further. The Bishop-Gorman duo out there in the Vegas area, right. OU's in on them. I, bottom line here, I could keep rolling through names, but I thought that the SMU weekend reminded a lot of people what we had been talking about in the past. I mean, the Sooners, yes, a lot is made of like Grant Bricks and, and Daniel Akinkunmi and Eddie Pierre-Louis and all these 2024 guys they have committed or who they've been pursuing. And totally understandable, right? It's justified. But man, I, I just feel like I wanted to talk about it on the podcast as well because we, we talked about it months in advance and now it's kind of coming to fruition with this SMU weekend in the books. The Sooners are are really positioned well in the 2025 cycle with a lot of elite offensive linemen in the area. And I think that's a testament to the work that Bill Beanbow has put in, Kevin yeah. Sperry has put in, and the rest of the Oklahoma staff. It's a really special cycle, and the Sooners are in a really solid spot with a lot. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's kind of wild because, obviously, Oklahoma fans got a little spoiled when it comes to offensive line play. And then 17 and 18, those Joe Moore Award groups that just had NFL players all over them, you know, with blocking for Baker and for Kyler Murray. Then we threw a little bit of, I don't know if I call it a lull, but kind of relying on some transfers, not as many NFL guys, some, but not as many. Again, spoiled. It was literally like all five on, on the 18 group. But, right. you know, and now, but you kind of see Bill Beanbow cranking things back up with some of the young guys he has. You talk about, you know, Jake Taylor, Jake Sexton, Caden Green. Looks like he could, if, if they had other, if they need him to, he could play right now. And yeah. then you're talking about these other guys that are chasing in 24, Grant Bricks, and all those 25 guys. feels like they're close to having another Joe Moore Award level group before too long. I mean, it really feels like Bill Beatonbow has kind of, like I said, I don't know if Lowell's the right way to put it, but a couple of their years there where it wasn't quite to that level, but they're getting back there really, really soon. Mm -hmm. I think plus you factor it in, Tyler Guyton and, and Walter Rouse feel like two pretty solid yeah. hits out of the transfer portal as well. McCabe Metzauer is getting a lot more comfortable at right guard. He's another portal guy. Oklahoma, like you mentioned, the recruiting kind of dipped. But I, as I also talk about this, and it's, it's, it was a really good question by one of our subscribers, like why isn't Oklahoma always landing elite offensive linemen? Well, first of all, I don't think the general public who isn't just dialed into football has a true understanding of how hard it is to play offensive line and how – hard it is to find guys who can play that position well. I mean, it's we see massive issues with, like, spring leagues, for example, because offensive line talent is scarce, and that translates at every level of football. And so sometimes it's a regionality thing. Like, are there really elite players in your area? Because that's going to help you pull them a little bit easier than if all the elite offensive linemen are in the Midwest or the Southeast, right? right. I mean, if you're OU – yeah, you've got the development and all that, but if all the top guys are down in Florida or they're out in, like, the Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin region, where do you think those guys are going to go? So it's kind of like a stars aligning type of thing for OU, right? Like, there are a ton of elite offensive linemen in this 2025 cycle specifically, but a lot of them just so happen to reside in, like, the DFW area. And even beyond that, you mentioned, like, the Bishop Gorman guys, well, OU's got a pretty strong connection to Bishop Gorman High. Yeah, you know what I mean? I so, so it's yeah. just, yeah, it's a really interesting thought to have of like, again, it's all just kind of lining up perfectly for OU to 
bring in talents in the 2025 class that are not only skill position based, right, with Jaden Nickens or Kevin Sperry or what have you, but I mean, they, they got a chance to bring in some guys who can protect for those dudes at an elite level. And it's not just going to be one or two. I, I think they have a legitimate chance to land a couple of top 100 caliber offensive linemen and beyond. And, and the other part of that, too, is like they're not just the type of dudes with highly rated attributes. They're verified football players, and that's the kind of guys you want to see walking through the door at Oklahoma. 100%. So, yeah, going to be a fun uh, position group to watch, uh, how that recruitment, recruiting going to kind of progresses and unfolds over the next, you know, couple of years or a couple of cycles. Because, yeah, Bill Beanbow seems like he's, he's ramping it up. And you just look no further than the amount of guys he puts the NFL every year. I mean, we're talking about they've had a little bit of a dip. And Anton Harrison went the first round last year. Yeah. Morris got drafted as well. So, um, and a lot of people think that Rouse and Guyton will, you know, probably follow a similar footstep, uh, you know, this coming draft. So it's, a, it's an offensive line machine factory with Will Beatonbow, and they are cranking it up on the recruiting trail as such. All right. Um, before you go, get your thoughts a little bit on the game this weekend. Tulsa uh, on Saturday, like we said, it's a 2 30 kick up there in T Town at H.A. Chapman Stadium. You know, it's really hard to know what to make of it in terms of road game because it is a road game. It is a sellout up there in Tulsa, but you have to assume that at worst it'll be 50-50. I mean, it might it probably be more OU fans there, I would imagine, than, than Tulsa fans, but we'll see. Um, I guess some thoughts from you on this game. Obviously, Tulsa's not great. Oklahoma's a big favorite, 28 and a half at last check for me as we started to record here today on Thursday. You know, Tulsa got batted around by Washington last week. Uh, Michael Penix threw for a million yards. I mean, what what are you thinking, I guess, with this matchup? What's caught your eye uh, this weekend? What are you going to be watching for? Yeah, man, I'm excited about this this game because I, I talked about it in a column on Monday. I think that this is an atmosphere Oklahoma stepping into that that's kind of what I'm labeling a competitive learning environment, right? I mean, it's, it's going to be a heavy favored Oklahoma crowd, I would assume. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you look at Tulsa, like there's a lot of motivation for the Golden Hurricane to play well. Going beyond just like you might have lesser home fans than the road team, that's an in-state program. So there's always kind of that that heated in-state dynamic. I think you look at this, I mean, Kevin Wilson, outstanding coach, highly respected individual. He's probably going to want his team to play with a little bit of pride in this game, right? Like be a reflection of the type of coach that a lot of Oklahoma fans are are used to knowing. And going beyond that, I think this Tulsa team's actually kind of sneaky good. I mean, I I don't know that they're going to win a ton of games this season because they've kind of had some unlucky stuff, whether that be some injuries to some struggles early out of the gate in the passing game. But there's some aspects of this Tulsa team to like, Josh. I mean, I, yeah. again, one of the things that the things that I mentioned when we started the podcast is, like, I'm always excited to talk about some of these games because I get to see guys who I covered in recruiting play on Saturdays, right? And I think what's, what's good and bad with this Tulsa team is they got two quarterbacks who I loved in high school. Watch it. It's Braylon Braxton and Cardell Williams. Braylon Braxton, a DFW area guy who I saw a ton of. And then yeah. Cardell Williams is a Houston area cat who was really good as well coming out of high school. He was kind of one of those under-recruited quarterbacks, Josh, in the Houston area. I was like, I don't know how this guy is flying under the radar, but someone's going to get a good player. And Tulsa got both of these dudes. Now, again, the, the good to it and the bad, they're both hurt to a degree. I guess Braxton's got an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Cardell banged up his throwing hand. You can see all this, by the way. We have behind enemy lines up at SoonersIllustrated.com for our VIP subscribers. My guy, Jeremy Poplin, from the Tulsa Radio Network, who does the sideline reporting, Blitz 1170 radio host. You know him, Josh. I mean, he's a great guy. He joined us on the site to to give OU fans a little bit of insight on Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the quarterbacks, but I'm worried about Tulsa in this game, and I think Oklahoma can capitalize because of the the injury situation and signal caller. And then my last thing here, I think Tulsa, when I turn on the tape, I do want to give a shout out to this, this defensive front. I mean, it's, I'm watching them. They're kind of like a flex odd front. They bring a guy down to, to be that edge rusher Jack type. And for a group that I don't think they have a player 
of those four guys that start for them, Josh, that's above six foot two, I, they are wildly physical. Uh, <laughs> and I'm watching them in this game against Washington, just kind of doing a little bit of a, a quick dive into what they do schematically. I'm like, man, these guys are they're 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 some kickers. You know what I mean? Like they, they come to play. Yeah. And I thought a, a, one of our subscribers at Sooners Illustrated, Josh, made a really good point. Like if you take a couple of trick plays or gimmicky plays away from Washington in that game, I think the Huskies only totaled like 80 yards rushing with those plays. Yeah, the Russian defense has been pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a really physical, versatile, maybe almost like a confusing front of guys who, while undersized, they, they play up above their frames. So, yeah, man, just a couple of things I'm, I'm excited to keep an eye on. I I think Oklahoma will win, obviously, but, like, I want to see how this Oklahoma offensive line handles those guys up front, right? Like, I want to see if those Tulsa players are out there at quarterback, like Braxton has the legs. How does OU's defense handle a more mobile quarterback than maybe versus, like, a Preston Stone who was mobile in the sense of he wanted to alter the pocket and things of that nature. So just a couple of things I'm keeping an eye on. But, yeah, I – I think Oklahoma wins, but like I mentioned, this is a competitive learning environment where some guys on Oklahoma's roster should gain some valuable experience, and so I'm excited for this game. What do you think on the score? Oklahoma, 28.5 point favorite, like I said. Um, so far, we're all 2-0 straight up, and we're all 2-0 against the spread, except for Tom, who didn't have OU covering his Arkansas State. Uh, so he's 1-1 against the spread. What do you think this weekend? Uh, how do you think this is actually going to play out? Does Tulsa keep it close or does Oklahoma win big? You know, I don't think anybody is thinking 73 nothing like we saw a couple weeks ago, but if you are, go for it. What do, you, what do you think? How do you think this thing actually ends up going? So, quick funny note here I'm doing, I'm looking over like the CBS Sports Research team notes. Did you know that Dylan Gabriel is 0-2 all-time against Tulsa? He's never beaten. I've actually I, – I think maybe our – maybe Jeremy Poplin. Somebody tweeted that. Uh, I can't remember. Somebody did, though. That is, that is yeah, it's kind of funny. He's he's dominant in non-conference games, but he can't get over the Tulsa hump, Josh. Tulsa but, owns Dylan Gabriel. You heard it here first. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what kind of number they've got on him, but I think he turns the tables a little bit this weekend. I'm going to go Oklahoma 52-14. I think it's a cover. Uh, I think that Tulsa's struggles in the passing game will catch up to them, and I, I believe that if that undersized defensive front for Tulsa gets overpowered by OU's offensive line, then then Oklahoma should be able to coast to a victory. But competitive out of the gate, I think, maybe I hope, Oklahoma ends up winning in cover. Got to like it. There you go. 52-14, is that what you said? Yes. 52-14. All right, make sure I write it down. I get it right. So you got Oklahoma covering again. We'll see how I do. Goes. So <laughs> we'll see, man. But I'm also excited to see, you know, you mentioned it. You're, you're a Tulsa guy. I don't know yeah. what, what you're going to be covering outside of the game. Maybe some restaurants or whatever. You got to show James and Tom a good time out there. Yeah, I'm excited. At the very least, we'll hit, we'll hit some quick trip. Uh, maybe get some Coney Islander. Who knows? We're, we're going to make it all work. And like I said, we got to turn right around for Okoye on Wednesday. So I get a lot of Tulsa, a lot of T-Town uh, in over the next week or so. Good stuff. Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, have fun with the games tonight and tomorrow down there, uh, south of the Red River. And we'll catch up with you next week. We're talking about Cincinnati next week. Looking forward to that. So first real big road trip. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Going to be a lot of fun. And as always, subscribe to Sooners Illustrated and hydrate, folks. Be safe out there. I will see you all next week. All right, man. Appreciate you. We'll get Tom and James in here now to do our full game preview, break this thing down, Oklahoma and Tulsa this weekend up in T-Town. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, we now bring in James Jackson, Tom Green. Gentlemen, are you ready to take this show on the road for the first time? Kind of. First Not time of the year. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, it's it's probably going to feel more like an Oklahoma home game than a Tulsa game, I would imagine. Um, I mean, Tulsa doesn't sell that place out very often, and they're selling this one out because I'm sure there's a lot of Sooners fans in that part of the state yeah, that just a lot kind of gobbled up those tickets. So, I mean, it's not going to be a true road test. I think we'll see that more next week when we travel to Cincinnati. But, I mean, they're still going to have to go through the process of, you know, what it's like to play on the road and kind of all the details that go along with that, even if it's not sure. to be a true road environment. You get out of your regular home routine a little yeah. bit. You at least have yeah. that, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, Tulsa's got a good stadium too, I think. I mean, I've been there before, covered the Battle of the Birds, high school, you know, Owasso versus Bigsby, things like that. And pretty good environment when that place is filled up. So looking forward to that again and, you know, seeing that should be good weather too. So, I mean, can't complain, man, on the road, not really on the road, on the road, though. We'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. No, it, it's, uh, you know, it's not the exact same thing because it is an actual road game. They're playing at Tulsa here. Mm-hmm. But in my experience of whenever Oklahoma plays in Tulsa, in any sport, the Tulsa OU fans get out there. And it's, it's you know, whenever OU basketball is played in Tulsa against Arkansas or OU baseball has played in Tulsa, like Bedlam or whatever – it's usually people, people, the, the city of Tulsa gets up for it. It's not often that OU comes up there, obviously, in any sport. And obviously football, it's very rare. First time almost a decade. So, yeah, I imagine there'll be a lot of OU fans in there. You know, I was talking about with Colin a little bit. I mean, what what is your expectation for the crowd? Like, probably more than 50-50, right? I mean, in favor of OU? I mean, we guess we'll see. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of crimson in there, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. it'll be like maybe like 60-40. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've never experienced like this kind of situation, but mm-hmm. again, I, I imagine there will be a hefty amount of crimson in that crowd. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, because even, you know, it's kind of a weird spot because Tulsa is one of those schools, too, that a lot of people who went to Tulsa or are Tulsa fans are also pretty much OU fans. Like, there's not really a lot of mm-hmm. disdain there, even though they're in state schools. So there's probably a lot of people who are kind of just going to, just watching football. They're kind of good no matter yeah. what happens sort of a thing. So yeah. it'll be fun. Looking forward to it this weekend. 2.30 kick up there in T-Town. We're all going to be there. We're all making the trip up to the 918. Looking forward to it. Uh, get some quick trip and a Coney Islander and, you know, whatever else we can do uh, while we're up there. It's going to be fun. This is the 29th meeting between OU and Tulsa. 27-1 and one in favor of OU. That's probably more wins for Tulsa than I think a lot of people would probably guess. Seven from the first uh, 28 meetings. Like I said, 2.30 kick on Saturday. Uh, it's an ESPN2 broadcast, so make sure you get your affairs in order there. Some thoughts on this game, guys. Obviously, you know, kind of like you were saying, Tom, you know, it's probably going to be similar to the opener against Arkansas State. Not necessarily that I'm saying it's going to be 73-0, but similar in that, you know, it would have to be pretty catastrophic for Oklahoma to, to for this game to be competitive late. But Tulsa does have guys. Um, there is some familiarity there. A lot of these guys played high school against each other, things like that. Um, and you, you do also have the factor of, I mean, how many of these Tulsa guys, especially the ones who are from Oklahoma, obviously, hope to maybe go to OU or get the OU offered and it never happened? You know, so they end up at Tulsa, not to you know discredit Tulsa's program or whatever. Um, but there is a little bit of that, a little bit of that extra juice flowing through it a little bit as well. And there's also the familiarity of Kevin Wilson and Brent Venables. That's kind of the fun little storyline there. So I guess some some 
overarching thoughts on this game this weekend because there's kind of a, fun, a lot of fun little angles you could take to it, and I'm kind of excited to get up there, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you touched on the familiarity aspect there. Obviously, you know, Kevin Wilson, Brent Venables worked together a long time here at, at Oklahoma mm-hmm. as coordinators, had a lot of tough battles and practices um, when Wilson started implementing that hurry-up offense. Um, Brent Venables spoke about that this week. Obviously, the familiarity between the players, a lot of these guys played high school football against each other. But, you know, th- this Oklahoma f- program should just be way ahead of Tulsa on the field. I mean, especially you're looking at a Tulsa program that is coming off some down years under Philip Montgomery, and now they're in the first year with Kevin Wilson. Um, you know, it's obviously a rebuilding year. It's going to take some time for him to kind of get things back up and running. Um, it's going to be a real tall order for Tulsa to try to keep this one competitive, I think, just because, you know, this is a team that is in a transition year. Um, you know, kind of looked like at Oklahoma last year, it was a transitional year for Brent Venables, and we kind of saw how things played out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to we, – we talked about this a little bit the other day. But I think this game, you know, as intriguing as some of those, you know, intertwined storylines are, I think this one is ultimately going to be about Oklahoma against Oklahoma and kind of cleaning up a lot of those, you know, mistakes and technique issues and other things we saw over the last two weeks because, you know, the real tests start next week when Big 12 play begins. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's hard for a team to go out there. I mean, I don't even know if they know who their quarterback is going to be, you know, or they haven't shared it publicly just yet going into it. I mean, they, they've had three different quarterbacks go out there so far. So, you know, yeah. you got to figure that out first just to get your, your situation uh, handled. And then you then you got to try to play against Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's it's a tough task. I mean, for, for any school, I mean, just going out there and not knowing. So and then, you know, you got everything else with with Brent Venables and, and Kevin Wilson, as we talked about. I mean, there's there's so much familiarity there, but. It's kind of you can kind of play chess a little bit. You know what the guy's gonna do against you. You know you, you know what they're what they like, what they don't like, and it comes down to the Jimmys and Joes at that point. And you you would think that oh, you has the better guys on the field. I mean, obviously that's the way we see it over here, twenty four seven sports with all the stars that OU has. So I mean, it's just a tall task for Tulsa, as as Tom is saying. I mean, that's that's what it's gonna come down to. It's a very tall task. For sure. Um, you know, obviously this is a – the talent gap is going to be apparent, I think, pretty clear. Like Tom said, first year for Kevin Wilson, he, you know, he's, he just got there. They're in transition. Obviously, you don't have a new coach if the old coach – I guess at, at a school level of Tulsa, that, that could necessarily be the case. But Phil Montgomery, the previous coach, was underperforming. I mean, that's why he's no longer there. And so they're kind of going in a bit of a rebuild. But one thing you know with the Kevin Wilson team is that they're going to play hard. They're going to be physical. They're going to, you know – trying to get up and, and put some points on you. They're, they're going to be well coached. So that's going to be fun to see. And they've had a weird start to their year. You know, their opener was against Arkansas Pine Bluff on a Thursday night. And it was a bit of a slow start, but they ended up winning big. And then they went all the way out to Seattle last week and played a top 10 Washington team. So you almost don't really have a lot to, to really gauge. They played an FCS opponent and they played a top 10 opponent on the road. They haven't really played a, a comparable, you know, game to them so far. They had a big win and a big loss. But they have done some nice things relatively. Let's look at the offense for Oklahoma against Tulsa's defense first. So Tulsa defensively, their defensive line's actually been okay. They're kind of like Mm -hmm. around the top 50 or so in rushing yards allowed, in sacks, um, you know, tackles for loss. Like their their numbers, they're actually okay through a couple of games. Uh, Oklahoma's offensive line's been a little spotty-ish so far. You know, kind of leaves something to be desired. You know, obviously Savion Berger sat down last week. Some untimely penalties. Tom and I talked about that on Monday's show. So there, there's Tulsa's defense. I mean, Oklahoma should put up a lot of points, but Tulsa defensively, up front at least, has done some nice things. Now their secondary, Michael Penix kind of went crazy for Washington last week. Is there anything in particular watching for here when Oklahoma has the ball? Are you hoping for a big run game? You know, are you just excited to see Jackson Arnold? Dylan Gabriel throw it all over the yard? What are some things you're watching for uh, for Oklahoma offensively in this game? You said yeah, I think this is going to be an opportunity for Oklahoma to stretch the field like it yeah. didn't do last week. Um, you know, I, I think right. things are going to look a lot differently um, 
you know, we heard after the game and again Monday, Jeff Levy talking about, you know, he called things kind of conservatively in the passing game. And we saw that, you know, just looking at kind of the advanced metrics on Dylan Gabriel, you know, his lowest average depth of target for his career in a game, just in terms of passing, how many passes he threw, like within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. So I think we're going to see some more of that vertical passing game. You know, you, you kind of touched on it with what, you know, Michael Penix was able to do against that secondary, but 454 yards, three touchdowns allowed. They gave up 75% completion rate. I mean, that's that's what Dylan Gabriel is basically completing through two games right now, about a little bit north of 75%. So, I mean, if he can keep it up, I'd expect a big game from him and, you know, this offense to look more like it did in week one against Arkansas State than what we saw last week against SMU. Um, yeah, you know, I do think that uh, Tulsa will probably fare a little bit better than Arkansas State because, again, Arkansas State might be the worst team in FBS right now. <laughs> um, I'd like to give Tulsa a little bit more credit than that at this point. But I, I do expect some big explosive plays from the offense this week. Yeah, as Tom was talking about the passing game, I think the run game I think is very fun for me to see because you talked about how – well, that Tulsa defensive line has, has been playing. And there's been questions on the, you know, the OU running back room. Who's going to be the, the number one guy? So I think this game will give you another chance to see who could that be? Because, I mean, it's getting close to Big 12 play. So you got to you gotta figure that out here pretty soon. Are you going to stick with the preferred walk-on in Tommy Walker, who's looked pretty good in all of his starts? You're going to go with Marcus Major, Devontae Barnes. We haven't seen Gavin Saltuck, you know, for a lot. I think he had one carry so far this year. So, I mean, what are you going to do in that situation? So, Figuring that out will be pretty fun, and I, I think that's that's the biggest question for the Sooners in this game, especially if they get up big. I mean, wh- how are they going to handle the run game? Who's going to be the guy? Where, where are they going to go from here? That's where that's where I'm thinking. Yeah, I think this is the week that we're finally going to see some more of Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. Um, you know, we heard Jeff Levy earlier in the week talk about you know they want to get two and twenty seven going. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, they've been pleased with what they've been able to get, especially from Tawi Walker. Uh, been their most effective runner. Marcus Major has done some good things in the run game, obviously been involved in the passing game too. But again, with Big 12 play on the horizon and kind of competition getting ready to ramp up, you want your two most talented backs, and that's Javante Barnes and that's Gavin Sawchuk, to start getting going. They need to get those guys involved. If this If this offense is going to be at its best, those two guys need to be more involved. And I understand they've, you know, kind of played it slow with those guys because of, you know, again, Barnes with the foot surgery in the spring, Sawchuck a little bit dinged up throughout fall camp, you know, be conservative with them. But at some point you're going to have to kind of let them go and let them, you know, get get those gears turning. And we've talked about explosive plays for this offense. You want to see something on the ground for OU this game. You get a 25-yard run here and there. Tali Walker's got his, you know, what other running back's going to step up and have a play like that where they can, you know, break a tackle and, and get off to the races down the sideline and things like that. That's what you want to see. Just figuring out who's that who's that guy for OU. Just get a little bit more comfortable as, we, you, as you head into the tougher part of your schedule, which is the Big 12 schedule. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys are saying. You know, I, obviously, I've been floored uh, so far by the lack of Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. Obviously, Sawchuk, you know, was unavailable for the opener. He was back available for the second game. And like James said, one carry or whatever it was, Javante Barnes has barely gotten out there. And Tommy Walker has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Marcus Majors had his moments. But as we said a million times, Barnes and Sawchuk are those next-level guys. Those are NFL guys. Not to discredit Walker or Major. I don't want to sound like I'm just dumping on those guys, but those guys probably aren't that. You never know, but you know, you know, you get what I'm saying. I mean, Toby Walker's a walk-on right now, so you want to see Barnes and Sawchuck get more involved. And I also agree, you know, everybody was dying to see them stretch the field a little more last week and air it out, look deep, Angel Anthony, whatever, and it didn't really ever happen against SMU. That opportunity should be there against the Tulsa secondary that, like I said, Michael Penix kind of had his way with. Um, statistically so far, their past defense is not good um, in the triple digits in terms of ranking in the country through a couple of games. So, yeah, looking uh, forward to seeing Oklahoma's offense should have a chance for a bounce back. You know, after a, a week where, they, like Tom and I said on Monday, they went basically two full quarters without doing anything, you should have a chance to kind of, okay, let's get this thing back on the tracks a little, put up another big point total and 
and feel good about things going into Big 12 play. Uh, I agree with that completely. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm interested to see the offensive line this week, too. You kind of touched on it. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if we see Troy yeah. ever get that start at left exactly. guard with Savion Bird. Exactly. Um, yeah, even talking to – I think it was when we were talking to McKay Matoyer earlier in the week. But he talked about how Troy Everett during the week spends most of his time at center. Uh, he still knows both guard spots, but he spends most of his time repping at center during the week. I wonder how many more opportunities they're going to get him at guard as they prepare for this game because, you know, I think, you know, he was far from perfect. You know, that offensive line overall had its issues. You mentioned the penalties, um, mm-hmm. you know, their, their technique. They, they talked a lot about, you know, they really need to fine-tune some things because Beatonbow kind of expects perfection from them there. But he showed some good things that I think that they can build on. Um, so I'm curious to see if he gets that nod this week and they kind of continue to work through what they feel like is their best five-man option up front. Yeah, for sure. Defensively in this game for Oklahoma, um, Tulsa, you know, they're trying to throw the quarterback thing. Like James said, they've played a, a few guys. Um, just looking at last week, they were gaming against Washington. You had Roman Fuller and Cardo Williams both get in there 18 passes and 14 passes for very little success. They're passing offense through a couple of games. Has left a lot to be desired there, but they've actually ran the ball pretty well. Again, looking at Washington last week, three guys had solid games for Tulsa. Jordan Ford, 15 carries for 67 yards. Bill Jackson, 10 carries for 55 yards. And Anthony Watkins, 11 carries for 51 yards. That's all at least four and a half yards per carry. So they have some running backs who have done some nice things. And again, they can say top 10 Washington team last week in Seattle. They had a nice game there. You know, not insane, but Solid numbers. And then James and I were talking, you know, off air. Obviously, most people in Oklahoma probably are aware of Braylon Presley and what mm-hmm. he brings to the table. Obviously, Bixby kid who just was hilarious to watch in high school, just run around, just run away from everybody. He's there for Tulsa as well. If you can get him out of some space, he's certainly a dynamic playmaker. So this Tulsa team, really, it's kind of just if they could find their guy at quarterback, they might have an offense here. And again, Kevin Wilson's an offensive coach, offensive background. We all remember what he did with Sam Bryant from Oklahoma scoring 60 points a game. The guy can coach offense. If he can find the right pieces, it could be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a test, a little bit of a challenge in, in some regards for Oklahoma defensively in this game. Go ahead, Tom. You, you started <laughs> off or you, <laughs> uh, I was going to let you go. Um, <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll talk. I'll talk for yeah. Like like we said, I mean, we want to look at the defensive line for OU. I mean, what? How are they going to handle this run game? And are they going to get pressure on the quarterback to where you know the Sooner fans are satisfied? I know there's mm-hmm. they've had their pressures in here and there, but lacking the sacks at the moment. Just so two, two yeah, sacks. I mean, where are we going to get with it? And I think Dennis Desmond had one of them, so it wasn't even the defensive line that that had that sack. So uh, just just figuring that out, just figuring that out for the defensive line. Because I, I like where the cornerbacks are on the defensive backs. They seem very high on themselves right now. They're doing a, a fantastic job out there in the open field. But overall, defense is, is bending and not breaking. I mean, and that's what you got to salute to them for. They, they're keeping teams off the scoreboard. I mean, on the only touchdown they're giving up was because of, you know, three penalties on that, on that, on that last drive there. Uh, well, the second to last drive there against SMU. So just figuring that out again. I mean, just putting that back together. Where are we going to be at with them? And hopefully that defensive line can start getting a, a better push that uh, – We'll, we'll, the Sooner fans would like to see. Yeah, I mean, the defense, like we discussed the other day, has been pretty lights out so far. You know, they've given up some chunk plays here and there, but they haven't been missing tackles, you know, mm-hmm. 10 total through two games, which is pretty remarkable considering where they were. Averaging 13 last year. Last yeah. year, yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing I'm, I'm probably most curious about with the defense this game, you know, besides whether they can get an improved pass rush, is just how things are going to play out at that cheetah position. Um, mm. Their top two guys are banged up right now. You know, just, Justin Harrington, uh, parent knee injury there, played the second half with a brace on the, on there, had an ice pack on there after the game, had a wrap on it when we were walking in after practice the other day. Um, and Brent Venable said he's he's still banged up. Desan McCullough dressed out last week but wasn't really available, didn't see the field uh, after right. rolling up his ankle in the opener. So if those guys – are not able to go, who do they turn to? Obviously, you know, Samuel Omosigo and Shane Witter are the next two guys on the depth chart. 
But do they turn to a Peyton Bowen? Do they turn to a Reggie Pearson to to step into that role? And that's what I think they'll do in that situation. I think one of those guys will go there, especially with how well Key Lawrence has played at safety through these first two games. You know, you want to keep your best players on the field. And if they can rotate a guy like Peyton Bowen or Reggie Pearson down to that cheetah role and still maximize their secondary, um, I think I think they'll be pleased with the results there. Um, obviously, you want a Justin Harrington, you want a Desan McCullough healthy, but if those guys aren't available, um, I'm really anxious to see how how the rotation kind of plays out back there. Because early on in the in, the, in fall camp, we heard about how many different guys were rotating in that position, and Peyton Bowen has obviously shown himself very capable and very intelligent to be able to kind of learn multiple positions and do various things. Um, he's very instinctive. Things come very easy to him. We've seen that through two games. Reggie Pearson, we know he's, you know, a headhunter out there. Um, he mm. might be able to get some good hits there playing that cheetah position, um, dropping down run support a little bit more, doing some different things. So I'm really interested to just see what they do with that role this week. I mean, yeah, Justin Harrington, I mean, he, when he walked into the, the press room to talk after the game, he had the ice on his left leg. It was, we, we asked him if he was all right. He said, he's good. So, I mean, you got to go from that. He, he seems he seems fairly okay. I mean, he played the, the rest of the game yeah. with the brace on. So, he's good enough to be out there if they need him. And, that, and that's the good part. That's the good thing for OU. I mean, when he caught the interception, he didn't try to, you know, give a return. He just went down. He was like, I mean, I just, hey, I just want to secure the win for the team. Don't want to have anything happen and, and key lawrence seemed like he was you know upset but not really upset one of those things he wanted to see what he could do yeah. in the open field he said he had more wiggle than him is how key lawrence said it so he wanted to see what he what he could do but i mean he looked he looked fairly decent even with the the leg the, the knee brace on in that second half so i mean the good thing for ou is he's available seems like if they need him if they want to go a different route to start the game they can do that yeah no i, I wrote about that yesterday actually with peyton bowen as being a potential, you know, play a lot of snaps at Cheetah option because Harrington and McCullough are both not 100%. And look, I mean, just because Harrington and McCullough both, like, could play if they needed them, you know, it, it is Tulsa, again, not to disrespect, but this is a game Oklahoma should be able to win comfortably. So I would say at, at the least, you probably don't need to put Harrington McCullough out there for, you know, a lot of snaps if they're going to play at all. You know, yeah. lean on some of these other guys because you shouldn't need to, you know what I mean? So that'll be interesting to see how that looks. And I do think Bowen makes a lot of sense as, as an option there. Uh, obviously, he's played great so far. He's making big plays constantly, the block punt. You know I mean? He just seems to be – he's one of those guys some, – some freshmen are ready right away and some aren't. And he's one of those freshmen that's just ready right away. He, said he stepped right in and looked comfortable and he's making plays. So I think that would probably be a, you know, a logical and a plausible thing to do would be to play Bowen a lot at that cheetah spot, see how well he handles it and – know if he's a good option there down the road if you, if you need him, you know, for because of other injuries or, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. the cheetah, I mean, the cheetah position right now, as you said, it's just, just looking a little banged up. But I still like to see, you know, Justin Harrington and Desan get out there just a little bit and, you know, get get be able to put the pressure on Tulsa. Get on, get on top of them early because it's still college football. They got talented guys too on the other side of the yeah. field and you don't want to give them hope, like we said, against Arkansas State. Just want to get on top of them and and, and kill all that out, and so you don't have to worry about maybe having a close game or, you know, blowing the lead and stuff like that. Just just do well with them at the beginning and then go different ways and from there. Yeah, I mean, if, if those guys aren't 100%, I'd, I'd, I'd hold back on them, um, especially this week, especially with Big 12 play, you know, j just around the corner next week. You know, you, you have the competitive depth. You touted that throughout the, throughout the offseason mm. to be able to, you know, fill guys into those roles in case someone goes down or gets banged up or whatever. Um, so if, if I think I think if there was any doubt about whether they're 100 percent or not, I mean, we, we heard it the other day. Was it with uh, it was it was either with our uh, <clears throat> Mason Thomas or Gavin Sacha. I can't remember off the top of my head, but Brent Bell was like, oh, if you'd ask, he'd say he's probably about 95 percent. But they held him out in the opener anyway. Um, yeah, right. I mean, it, I think if there's any concern or anything like that, I would hold those guys back this week and trust that you can get enough from a Peyton Bowen, from a Reggie Pearson, from a Shane Witter and uh, Samuel Masigo. I mean, I think you have the numbers there. You have the bodies to be able to handle your business against Tulsa and kind of get guys ready for Big 12 play. For sure. And like James said, Harrington did finish the game last yeah. week. So, you yeah. know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll be keeping a close eye on warm-ups on Saturday. let you guys know what uh, – 
how things look. You know, I got fooled a little bit last, not fooled, but you know, you saw Chuck and Brandon Thompson are going through warmups doing their thing, then we never really saw him. Um, McCullough, he was easy to figure out. He wasn't yeah. doing anything for <laughs> Um, what do we think we're gonna see from the jackhammer? package um is that, is that what we're officially oh is it is you, i guess you name it is that it well, I, mean, I, I, I know i dropped that name on the board i'm sure it wasn't oh, okay name. i'm sure other people have have floated that idea out there yes. there is a name we know there's a name they just don't want to tell us i don't know uh you know we all talked about it james and i talked about it on the recap on saturday night you know tom and i talked about it on the podcast on monday um we were all waiting for arnold to throw the ball and it never happened um yeah, I don't know if you want to show too much against Tulsa. And I look, I oh obviously Oklahoma probably hopes that they're up up by enough in this game that Arnold could just go run the offense like he did against Arkansas State for a quarter or so. Exactly. But before then, the Arnold packages before that, if they're gonna to continue to do it, you know, you'd like to see more than just Arnold running straight into the line every play. Um, so I'm interested to see in that. Uh if if we get any more glimpse into that, you know, stretching out a little bit more than just like I said, just kind of straight. Blake Bell style runs into the line because you know, I don't know it, that 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 got a little old for me pretty quick last week. I mean, that seems to be the sentiment. They're gonna they're gonna pass the ball with it you know, here pretty soon. I mean, preventable's you know, uh, kind of notion to that when we asked him at the presser on Tuesday. So, I mean, that's it's gonna come down to that. They, I guess they're just not trying to show too much right now. I mean, it really was just just get the first down. I mean, that's really what it came down to in the SMU game. Just like it's a one yard run or you know, do just get the first down. So it had worked a couple of times throughout that game. I think the first three times, right? And got the fourth one, it got stuffed. But, you know, just just looking at it and just, just getting, mm. the, getting the first down, that's what it came down to. I think if we see him early in this game, it's going to be a lot like what we saw last week where they're going to ask him to run a little bit more. I think they want to put that on film a little bit more and, you know, have teams have to prepare to stop the run with him. And then, you, you know, again, this is Tulsa. This, this isn't a team that's expected to give them much much of a problem. You don't want to show too much, but I think you know you do enough where you let you run that package with him a few more times, give him to run the ball, and as we get into Big Twelve play, that's when you start setting up the pass. Whether it's you know I know Josh mentioned the other day you know that little Tim Tebow jump pass, pop pass, or whatever, or you know I know we've seen this a lot over the years too, but you run that package and you kind of do the one man play action where he kind of fakes the run, then drops back and opens up something in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing can come to handy in Big 12 play, and that's not something that you want to put on film against a Tulsa. I do think we'll see him pass the ball this week, but I just think it's going to be in the second half when things are well in hand and they get him yeah. running the actual offense. But I think if we see that sub package in the first half, it's going to be like we saw last week. Um I mean, it's an advantage to have this, you know, just have him running as well. I mean, yeah. it's an extra blocker. I mean, the running back's now blocking for the quarterback. So you have that instead of just handing it off to the running back. So when you're trying to get one, one, two yards, the more blockers, the better. You know, that's the, I guess it's the only, that's the only way I see it so far, just for what they've done. It's just an extra blocker to have on the field. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's just also kind of, it's just funny looking because, you know, Dylan Gabriel is, is mobile as well. Like I know that Arnold is you know a little bigger, I guess, but I mean, most of what they asked Arnold to do, I don't see why Gabriel couldn't just do it himself and stay out there. But I don't know. We'll see how that continues to develop. As I mean, they're also just trying to get game experience. I mean, I asked Jeff Libby about that. That's, I mean, it's it's just invaluable experience is how he described it. So yeah, I, that's, I guess that's, that's all you can I do. Yes, you know, I would. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's lock in our picks. Um, so the standings here, we're all two zero straight up. James, Colin, and I are two zero against the spread. Tom, of course, one at one against the spread right now after the Arkansas State game. But he got back in the win column against the spread last week. Like I said. I have it at 28 and a half right now. It might move before Saturday, but we're picking the game today. So we're going to operate under 28. Where, where's Colin at? Would you say he was at? Is he 2 0 as well everywhere? Yeah, we're all 2 0 and everything okay. except for Tom didn't have him covered in that first game. Okay. <laughs> so okay. that's the best way to, to put it. Long way to go, though. Long way to go. Um, Colin had 52 14 for his score uh, for this weekend. Do you want to start, James? Do you want me to start? Tom started the last couple. So. We'll let him I'm, I'm still like debating on if I should give Tulsa, you know, a touchdown or two in this game because the defenses look so good. I mean, yeah, right. SMU is, the, I mean, the better offense that they've seen so far. And they, it, it was a touchdown because of a bunch of penalties, you know, so you, you look at it that way. So I'm thinking they get, maybe they get one 
here just you know late in the game we'll see but i mean they have a lot of pride they didn't let arkansas state do it but it's it's arkansas state we'll see um so i'm, I'm gonna go 42 7 uh you know going with the spread again uh i'm, I'm just debating on if I should give Tulsa a touchdown or not. That's the only thing. And I think this offense is gonna, gonna bounce back this week. Gonna really, you know, try to prove themselves yeah. and show that they can be as high powered as everybody thought they would be before the season. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, I mean, I, I I'm in. I'm in on the defense. I mean, I, I don't they've dominated the first couple of games. So I'm gonna say Tulsa does not get in the end zone. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say forty five to six. I'm gonna say they get a couple of field goals. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I almost my my natural instinct is to give, you know, I really thought like maybe 45-10 or whatever, but I was like, why would Tulsa score a touchdown? Why would that happen based off what mm-hmm. we've seen the first two weeks? So, yeah, I'm going to go 45-6. Tom, what about you? Yeah, I'm more in line with you here. Um, I'm going with 50-6. to six. 50, interesting number. Oh, yeah, How do you get 100. Is that five yeah. field goals and five touchdowns? Wait, how did I get to 50? Maybe I'm at 40, 49 or no. No, claim the 50. How are you going to get there? That's, that's what we got to figure out now. I think I'm at 52 to 6. Sorry. 52, all right. My, my math is off. It's It's been a long morning. Um, 50, 50 is an interesting number. You have to have a safety or something in there. Yeah, no, 52. Seven touchdowns and a field goal. So now if they score 50, that's going to be crazy. Now yeah. he's switched. We're not going to give him credit for that. <laughs> Oh, 50, no. 52 yeah. to 6. I do not think that this defense gives up a touchdown. I do not think that Tulsa has shown enough to, you know, really think that they're going to threaten this defense with the way the defense has played so far. I know it's on the road, but again, we expect this to be more of a home game, so to speak, for Oklahoma. I think the offense is going to be opened up. I think Jeff Levy probably heard a lot of the criticisms of playing conservatively last week. They're going to try to stretch the field a little bit more. They're going to get those running backs a little bit more involved. I expect another big game from Dylan Gabriel. And I expect this defense to just, you know, that confidence to keep building. Um, yeah, I think they'll give up some chunk yards here and there like that, like they've done. You know, Kevin Wilson is a very good offensive-minded coach. I do expect Tulsa to get some plays here and there. But I, what they've shown through the first two weeks, Ben don't break. The only touchdown drive they gave up was because of a bunch of penalties on that drive. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think they're going to keep it up this week um, and kind of carry some good juju going into Big 12 play. Absolutely. So there you have it. Oklahoma, Tulsa, 2.30 on Saturday afternoon at H.A. Chapman Stadium up there in T-Town. We're all going to be there. We're going to road trip up there uh, on Saturday. Should be fun. First time getting out on the road. Again, not a full-blown road game. But it's a little it's a little road appetizer before a legit road game next week at Cincinnati. Uh, with nice Oklahoma little day trip. <clears throat> What's that? A nice little day trip. Nice little day trip up to T-Town. Why not? Uh, hopefully weather holds up. It's been kind of rainy. Uh, hopefully, uh, we don't have any deal with any of that on Saturday. Um, I talked about this a little bit. With for Colin your sake. The for show, your sake. But, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we call it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but week three. I mean, the season just, it always like slips through your finger. Like, it'll be a text game before we know it. It'll be bell before we know it. Um, so cherish it. Cherish every Saturday because um, it'll be over before you know it. So I think that's it. Any last things you guys had before I sign off here? I'm all good, man. I'm all, all good. Right. Like I Early. It's go time. Oklahoma, Tulsa, Saturday, 2.30. We'll see you. Keep up, of course, Oklahoma.247sports.com. Become a VIP subscriber. Loads of great stuff is there for you already and more to come over the weekend. Of course, keep up with us on game day. We're going to have so much content throughout the day. And then, of course, reaction afterward from, obviously, the three of us, as well as Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel, players, coordinators, whatever. All that reaction after the game on the YouTube channel as well as on the site. Of course, James and I will do our game recap on the field after the game as well on Saturday night. We'll catch you then. We'll see you Saturday in Tulsa for Colin Candy earlier. James Jackson, Tom Green. I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you Saturday night from T-Town. See you.